Hey, everybody. Hope you're having a great day uh, around the globe, wherever you're listening to our show. Uh, today is sort of Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood meets Canada, really. We've got an actor, a comedian, gentleman who's been on TV and movies, uh, who's also a UFO guy. And uh, from what I've read about him, he's kind of gone up and down in his belief and skepticism. So I think we all do a little bit. I think that's healthy, and uh, I want to get him to elaborate. So this is actually uh, Jason's booking today. This is Mr. Dave Foley. I know, Jason, you've been a fan of this guy for years and years. Huge fan of Dave Foley since uh, Kids in the Hall, News Radio. Uh, he did The Voice in Ants. Um, he's just a fantastic guy, funny comedian. But, uh, you know, I fell in love with the guy when I found out he was into UFOs as much as we are. And I'm like, this guy's cool. We got to have him on, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's just one of many people in Hollywood that are either believers in this subject or think it's plausible, and it's not just the sci-fi world. Um, you know, there's directors, producers, big-name people that all think it's there, and people have seen things. And, I mean, you look at the Tic Tac video, that was just off Catalina Island. So California area in general is a hotspot. And, uh, you know, that whole that whole area of the U.S., New Mexico and Arizona, there's lots of stuff going on. And, you know, it'd be interesting to pick his brain of uh, kind of what's Hollywood's take on it and as well as media and things like that. So we'll hit as many topics as we can. We'll chew the fat with our uh, new friend, Dave Foley. And uh, with that, we'll run our credits and we'll be right back right here on UAP Studies Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of UAP Studies Podcast. My name is Louis Borges. Joining me as always, my best buddy, Jason Gilmet. You know, I love that you say my best buddy almost on every single episode. That just is true. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, but it feels good. You know, it's just like we, we start yeah. doing this show for fun as friends, and it comes through in all of our interviews, right? We genuinely like our guests too. We don't invite people on that we don't like or think are hurting the the field. And today is a, a proud Canadian meets Hollywood. You know, I mean, uh, Dave Foley is a Canadian actor and comedian. He also produces, directs, writes. Uh, he was the co-founder of the comedy group Kids in the Hall, which uh, turned into a subsequent TV show. Uh, he's also uh, voiced some pretty cool animated characters in big Hollywood films like A Bug's Life uh, and Monsters University, appearances on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Hot in Cleveland. I could go on and on. The fun fact I found about Dave is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but when you're on set, you can drink upwards of, what, 50 cups of coffee a day? Is it true? Uh, that that used to be true. I don't not not anymore. But I yeah, definitely a news radio. Our uh, uh, our our props master. Uh, she clocked me at fifty cups. Wow. Are we talking we like talk little cups, or are we talking like mugs? Like, I'm talking like like ten. Basically, we're going uh, ten cup uh, carafes of coffee, and I'd go through five. You know, five of them. Okay. Wow. That's you must have to pee the whole time. Oh, and, and those days, no. <laughs> the when the bladder was still working, the bladder was, yeah. the bladder was uh, superhuman back in those days. Awesome. Well, we're very glad to have you. We want to have some fun today and uh, pick your brain on all things UFO related. I know you're an enthusiast sure. and you've done other big show appearances, uh, you know, like Joe Rogan podcast and everything else. So we appreciate mm -hmm. your time. Uh, but for those of us, uh, if there's a few people out there who aren't familiar with you, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the whole field of uh, UFO interest. Um, well, I guess, well, you covered almost everything that I've done. So, uh, oh, you've done a lot more than I'm that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a comedian, uh, which 
qualifies me in, in no way at all uh, <laughs> discuss UFOs. But but yeah, I, I guess I've got lifelong interest in them. Uh, but it's an interest that's gone up and down uh, in intensity over the years. Um, I definitely, I was went up around the time of the Phoenix Lights. That kind of caught my eye, and I sort of made me think, well, this that seems pretty uh, unexplained, and the ex- and the explanation seems pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so and and that so that got me going. Then I remember reading the Cometa report in the early two thousands from from Paris that basically the French study that came out and said, well, UFOs are real. And, you know, said that an extraterrestrial hypothesis was most likely explanation. And I thought that got my attention. And then it sort of faded for a while. And I saw, and then I, I saw James Fox's movie out of the blue about 10 years ago. And that was the first time I really, that, that really took me sort of led me by the hand through the real history of the UFO uh, phenomenon and the story. And, uh, uh, and you know, and and that was so full of these really incredible, well, not incredible, credible people, uh, credible military and government officials from all over the world, and you know, so it was uh, that again that got me really taking it quite seriously after that, and that's been ongoing for about the last ten years. Right, and then of course, two thousand seventeen, something happened. Yeah, uh, it was huge. You know, that New York Times article. Uh, which I thought would I th- really thought would have would change would change everything more than it has. Uh, but it's been remarkable how how uh, how the conditioning like how seventy years maybe not seventy sixty years of conditioning to not think about UFOs has is is so effective that even now after even after the Pentagon comes out and says they're real, no one seems to care in the in the main main in the mainstream of of the public, I guess. Right. Which and is what weird. Do you, what do you attribute that to? Like I heard you say on other shows that some people they're just um the average person has this total reluctance uh, to even consider the phenomenon and you I think it was on Joe Rogan you said that you have friends who read the New York Times cover to cover if you ask them about something else on that day that that 2017 article came out they read that article but somehow mm-hmm. they didn't see the front page cover. They didn't even know now, and yeah. Jason made a good point. We were chatting before the show, and he goes, well, maybe it's like a religious thing. If you're not religious, front page news is something to do with religion. You're just going to skim by, and you may never. But why do you think specifically with something like UFOs that's so out there, what is it with the maybe even like they're not intentionally doing this, but some people just gloss right over as soon as you bring it I, up? I think they, it's, I, what I find is people don't, it's not even like they just, they, that they don't read it or they ignore it it doesn't register in their consciousness that it was in front of them. Yeah. That, that the, just those, like the letters UFO will co- cause that some part of their brain to shut down. So they, so they don't even consciously uh, uh, absorb the information at all. And, and I think it, it's, it's, I think it is a direct result of a very deliberate uh, program that was started in the, in the, you know, in the fifties to debunk and ridicule and, uh, you know, and put forward just any, exp- any explanation will do uh, answers to what UFOs are and to create a, a public atmosphere where anyone who does talk about UFOs is crazy um, and will be ridiculed. And to the extent that not only that it can ruin your life. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that attitude and, and I, and I think particularly amongst people like myself, left, left wing people, 
we're even more reluctant to deal with it because uh, we like to think because we really have bought the idea that we're the rational scientific ones. And so we will, you know, we'll ignore all the crazy people. Um, and uh, as a result, this this incredible story is right in front of us and people are just not not paying attention. You know, you know, like I'm, I'm still astonished whenever I talk to someone and they don't know about the Tic Tac, you know, event. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It should have been a bigger issue than it actually turned out to be. Uh, yeah, and the stigma of UFOs, I mean, it, that's been built now for a long time. We know the CIA had a, a huge hand to play in that to discredit people that saw UFOs. And even when you hear somebody say, I couldn't believe my eyes. Why? Your eyes don't deceive you, right? They've never deceived you before. And it's just the mind and our conditioning by society saying that you can't believe that this happened because nobody else will believe you. It's yeah. a weird psychological thing that we all do to each other, right? Yeah, I know. And and I mean, it's getting better, but I, I definitely know that even now, when if I start to talk, it's weird. If I start to talk about the UFO subject in front of some people, there is that sort of a glaze comes over their eyes. And yeah. just that quiet that you can see them going, well, how do I get out of this room? You know, what's the <laughs> exit? Yeah. Um, but if you can keep them on it for more than about 15 minutes, suddenly they're the glaze goes away and they and you start to see that look of really and they go this is happening and you know and you can direct them to you know uh good sources of information so i think it's 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 possible to break through it but it's it's really difficult and 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 people do want to even once they do acknowledge it they kind of want to expunge it from their minds as quickly as possible because it's scary right it's well it's confusing and it's and it's and it makes you question. You have to question everything once you once you accept that this is going on. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. So it reshapes it, it reshapes reality, and it makes yeah. you rethink. Like uh, maybe we don't have. You know, I don't know if you guys were paying attention, but um, uh, to the, there was an article, I think it was NASA, they're saying that we haven't, or the recent NASA um, meetings, and they were saying, well, we haven't found extraterrestrial life yet. Okay, yeah. good for us. But what if they found us before we found them? Like, why isn't that <laughs> yeah, being brought yeah. up as a question, right? It's like, there can only be one way that we'll find extraterrestrial life is if we yeah. find them first. And this other thing, and, and yeah, and you can, you, it, it's kind of when you throw out the, the phrase, uh, no evidence of extraterrestrials, um, it's kind of a code and, and it's a it's an escape hatch for the media to not pay any attention. They, yeah. all, all the papers, all the report is no extraterrestrials. Right. They won't Good report point. the fact that there's all this mysterious uh, machinery in the sky that no one can explain, that doing things that uh, are impossible. They won't yeah. report that. They'll just report no extraterrestrials. And right. you know, same thing with like the arrow hearing. You know, once once he says that, then the press gets a free out. Yeah. And on the topic of media, I wanted to ask you about that. There was this NASA meeting. So, of course, it makes Canada never really has any headlines in relation to this unless it's big news in the States. So sure enough, we're in Canada night of the uh, nasa thing global news which is a massive network canada wide here they're running their story they run it right at the end they teased it the whole way through the news broadcast broadcast so i thought well maybe that's cool they this is a growing topic so they're kind of dangling that carrot as if it was some other big expose so that's fine and you know you get that glimmer of hope that it's going to be a a serious based topic sure enough they start off with you know clips of the x files music playing in the background i'm like i thought we were over this i thought this was pre-2017 yeah. it still happens 
And I mean, there have been a few networks that have kind of there's been ebb and flow. Like James Fox was on CNN the first time it was all woo and cool music. Second time, I think he made a comment at the end of his first interview saying next time, if you want to do a serious look, I'd love to come back. And they did have him back and he did do that. So th there seems to be change. But as much as we think there is, it's either the media is getting this directive or they're the same people whose eyes <clears throat> gloss over and they're like, okay, stick it in the end after the puppy dogs, you know, like, or yeah. with, you know, the cat doing tricks. So on a lighter note, UFOs. Yeah. 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 So yeah. like, what do you think about mainstream media? Are they helping in any way or are they simply oh, just hurting? No. <laughs> They're not really helping at all. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, uh, and Canada, I'm sad to say Canada does seem to be even further behind than U S coverage. Um, and, and, and even more um, for me, sadly, that most of the coverage is coming from far right news or outfits, you know, it's like news nation and Fox and, you know, um, so very little, although, I, um, although at least with the NASA panel, I, I noticed it did get coverage on MSNBC, which was nice. And there's an NBC reporter named Gotti Schwartz, who is one of the few people that's actually, uh, in the mainstream media, who's actually, you know, going out and covering UFOs, the UFO story without playing the X-Files theme. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Cause I know I've been watching that. I've been watching my, my buddy, uh, Jeremy Corbell doing interviews over this last few years. And it's especially, he's been doing a lot of interviews with Australians and it's been interesting to watch them gradually, you know, start when he first would go on, it was the X-Files constantly. And, and they've gradually, uh, stopped giggling and started taking it more seriously and stopped playing this, the, uh, you know, that theme music. Yeah, um, yeah. But, it's, but it's taken, you know, it's taken years of, of Jeremy just saying, guys, this is real serious. You know, yeah. stop, stop giggling. Yeah. We chatted well, with Mary Rodwell <clears throat> from Australia and same thing. They, she does like studies and collects data and reports and the numbers are the same as they would be anywhere else per capita. But the number of people willing to talk is far less. In fact, she said that there are single moms that don't even want to bring that up or tell anybody because they're scared that like child protective services is going to take their kids away because they think they're crazy. And this is in today's age, not like 10 or 20 years ago when it was more stigma. And uh, the UK in a lot of areas, they have a very rich and, and um, happy um, enthusiast group. But in terms of the general population, it's a like, don't go there. Don't talk about it. You're still crazy. They seem to yeah. be more conservative in their views and Canada as well. It seems like America really is the only place where there's enough interest that they can have these conferences and things like that. Uh, and then you hear things like the Cometa report coming out of France, Italy. There's other countries doing work. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because they never had that stigma to break. They, the government didn't make it a negative thing and that you're a looney tune if you believe it. So they can actually do the work without, you know, the the trauma of 70 years of denial. So, yeah, I think it's definitely true, especially in, I think, in South America, where culturally they've never had the the taboo about, uh, I mean, even I think Mexico has had less of a taboo yeah. about UFOs historically. Um, yeah. And, and as I said, I can't, I mean, at least, yeah, the U.S., you do have Congress tackling it on some level. And I don't know that, and I, I know there's one uh, member of parliament in Canada who keeps pushing for. Yeah, Larry Maguire. Yeah. And uh, and that's the only person I've ever heard of in Canada who's pushing for government to be open and talk about UFOs. Yeah, since Paul Hellyer anyway. Paul was yes. big on it, but he was later in his age when he started his work. And we all expire at some point, right? Yes. Yeah. And of course, there's a, I was, I was talking to Ralph Blumenthal recently. You know, and he wrote the book Believer about John Mack. 
Yeah. And and I point and I said it's interesting that you use that title because that word is used to dismiss people who uh, like I like I've heard people dismissing Leslie Kane, uh, who wrote the New York Times article with Blumenthal, you know, uh, by saying, of course she's a believer. Yeah. And that just saying believer uh, is like again, it's that free pass for that for everyone to just dismiss everything they're saying not look at any of the data, not listen to any of the uh, the sources. Uh, just using that phrase shuts everything down, which is a, you know, uh, and that seems like Paul Hellyer, I think he was constantly labeled as a believer and which is synonymous with lunatic. And they used his age against him too. They're like, oh, he's lost yeah. it. The poor guy, you know, anything yeah. he could to, you know, expose a vulnerability or make it seem like there existed one. But they did that to that uh, general in Israel too, that recently, well, a couple of years ago. Yeah, high some sort of, Yeah, some yeah. sort of federation. It's like, dude, the guy ran the program for what, 30 years? Yeah. And yeah. we're not going to give him credit or at least go, okay, what are you saying? Like, Everybody yeah. just dismissed it. And, uh, you know, we got guys like Paul Hellyer and that dude that I can't pronounce his name to save my I life. I am a shed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, very serious guy. Yeah. Great credentials. You yeah. know, ran, ran their space program, you know. And yeah. he's at risk of, like, treasonous charges. If he's just making stuff up, his government's going to string him out. They're not going to stand behind him. So yeah. when you have these people in positions of power saying big things and nobody says anything, probably because it's true. Yeah, well, you you've got it's the UFO subject is the only one where you have somebody who has incredible credentials, you know, like a like science a scientist like uh, Gary Nolan, you know, impeccable credentials, long history of doing great work, starting companies, you know, advancing advancing the the state of science for his whole career. Um, so when he comes out and starts talking seriously about about UAPs, uh. You know, in any other subject, it would be this is a very serious, credible person. We should probably pay attention to what he's saying. But when it's UFOs, the response is we should dismiss everything he's ever done in his life. Yeah. The cancel culture. And, yeah. We should downplay everything about this man. We should we should uh, start disparaging his scientific achievements um, because he because he's yeah. taking UFOs seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned John Mack. John Mack had a huge influence on me. I've always been obsessed with the uh, alien abduction phenomenon, which yeah. I really shot myself in the foot because as a kid, I don't know if you remember this, but like I would go to the library and you guys probably went through this too. You would go to the UFO section and it was almost like taking out porn. Like you didn't want to be seen, you know, yeah. and you would bring it up to the front. You would hide the cover until you got to the front. And it was ridiculous, but uh, John you checked Mack out was, a lot of porn. You got well, the whole system yeah. down. Everything. Well, you know, we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, uh, well, we can, didn't have the internet for speak your UFOs inside the porn. Ah, <laughs> they're less they're yes. less taboo than the porn. I'm just reading jugs. I'm not reading UFO magazine. Yeah, oh, yeah. how did that end up there? I have mm. no idea. Well, I might as well buy it while I'm Communion. here. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I'm so sorry. But it was stupid because, you know, throughout your teen years, you're developing, you're, you know, you're going through all these paranoid phases and I'm reading about abduction phenomena. I'm totally terrified to go to bed at night, you know, yeah. but uh, John Mack had a huge influence. And he, again, you know, he was a, a sort of a pioneer, somebody to push through all the stigma and said, mm -hmm. look, there's something here because you recently, you mentioned this, I think was on Chrissy Newton or maybe it would have been Joe Rogan that you had changed your mind on the uh, alien abduction phenomenon. 
uh, mm-hmm. recently, right? And yeah, there's something to it. It's either it's a new mental illness that millions of people across the world have, or it's actually happening. There's no in-between here. Yeah. And it seems like, um, yeah, and I guess it's one of these, I guess I just, I didn't deal with it because I guess, because it is scary and it is, you know, and it does seem weird. Uh, but after, after a certain point, I sort of went, well, if I'm, ex- if I'm accepting that these machines are in the air, uh, I don't know who's flying them or what they're doing here, but if I'm accepting that they're here, then it's kind of illogical to just deny any like any possibility of abductions right because if, if they are if they are from somewhere else it makes sense they would abduct us why you know why wouldn't they yeah. you know you're gonna you know it, it just doesn't uh you know it just there was no real logic to continuing to deny it so i'm and, and i don't know what the what the abduction phenomenon is i don't know if it's you know i mean i i, I my sense is that it's something that is really happening it is a physical occurrence that is happening to people um, I know, I think, uh, I think John Max started to believe that it was something that wasn't necessarily happening in, in our reality, but, but it might be something that's occurring for, with these people in another reality or in another, like another sort of plane of consciousness. And, um, uh, but I know, uh, uh, who was it that wrote Missing Time? I'm blanking on his name now. Bud Hopkins? Bud Hopkins. Thank you. Yeah. I know, but I got was, you back. Yeah. Was on the other end, other other side of it. He and David Jacobs were very adamant that no, these people are physically being removed from their space. They're taken into a physical craft, and things are physically being done to them. Um, and that that is a dark part of the whole UFO story. And, Absolutely. And if it's true, and if it's happening to millions of people, which I guess Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs did a poll, I guess. Yeah. trying to determine how many people are, and, and they kept trying to reduce the number in their poll as much as uh, as they could uh, but they kept coming up with a huge number that is millions of, like millions of people in the u.s alone who've had an abduction experience yeah one in 50 i think was the result out of that roper poll so i think yeah. that's like over six and a half million people just in the u.s if you go insane. off that alone so it's insane yeah that is yeah and that's and that's the smallest number they could make the poll turn out i think yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's sure. the people and, that remember the experience, right? There's some people that yeah, won't they'll yeah. live their entire life not remembering what took place. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. trippy. Yeah. Could be two <laughs> yeah, out of so, fifty or three out of fifty. Like we don't and yeah. that was in the nineteen nineties. Let's retake the poll. Let's it find did, out, right? Now. We're a yeah. lot more open about it. I know we've uh talked to people in the military, the CIA, uh people in government are having these experiences. If they themselves haven't seen something. They know somebody who has. Yeah. And it's crazy. For me, I don't know why I track people to tell me their stories. Like mm-hmm. out of nowhere, like I mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but people would just start like, hey, I seen them once, you know, like out of nowhere. Yeah. Which to me scares the crap out of me. It's like how many people in locally, you know, in my area have yeah. seen these things much less worldwide. So it is a phenomenon that we all I think it supersedes government and military. It's a humanitarian issue and well, yeah, they should be upfront it, about it. Yeah. Cause it's really traumatizing for people. And, and so the, the, the event itself is traumatizing, but then to be dismissed and uh, told you're crazy is doubly traumatizing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you guys seen um, 
the uh, the aerial phenomenon movie. Yeah, yet? yeah, yeah. We interviewed Randall Nickerson, and we've we've brought it up in a few different shows. But that's exactly correct. What we're talking about now the the whole trauma of the girl even going back to the school now as an adult, everything mm -hmm. come rushing back, and it's I've, we've had people with experiences. I think Kevin Day and I said, what was more traumatizing, the event or the way people treated you after the fact, making you know belittling your claims? And he said it was both. They were both equally as damaging. And I think yeah. that's the case with the aerial school kids too. Yeah, you just see how much that all of these kids—they've scattered all around the world, and but they still have—they're all—they're still—they're dealing with this event in their lives, even though the event itself wasn't um, uh, a, a dark event for them, but it was frightening. Yeah. And then, but then to not be taken seriously and and to not be able to talk about it and to have this—you know—your whole life like that girl, you know, she's been painting this painting that scene for her whole life and uh and hasn't been able to kind of um i guess what do you say incorporate it into her life in a in a healthy way and so this so the the stigma isn't just uh an inconvenience it actually does real damage in people's lives it can destroy people i mean there's uh what was it the, the scientist james mcdonald back in the 50s who or you know or after uh in the 60s, I guess it was after Blue Book was shut down, uh, because he protested and said, there is a serious thing here and we really should be studying this and this and that the, uh, you know, the Condon report was was uh, was a whitewash. So he was going public, destroyed his scientific career and he wound up committing suicide like a year later. Right. You know, he, 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 no one took him seriously, even though he was a, a really credible, you know, physicist. Do you think that Oh, sorry, Louis. Sorry, I was just going to say we we're mentioning the change that happens with people. There may even be physiologically changes. I know Dr. Gary Nolan, we interviewed him and he mentioned that they're doing studies on regions of the brain, the basal ganglia and stuff like that to see if, in fact, after a contact event, we have somehow changed. Like there's areas of the brain that normally wouldn't fire. Now they fire like crazy. And the only thing they can find common to that are like yogis or people that are trained in like deep tantric yoga and guys like Deepak Chopra that can just go into these really deep meditative states and they can activate those parts of their brain. So we brought up consciousness earlier. I wanted to sort of get your opinion on the whole consciousness aspect in relation to UAP and UFO sightings in general. Yeah, well, it definitely seems to be a big part of it. I mean, you know, um, and and I actually, after all these years, I actually did have a UFO experience uh, like a year ago, January, um, with 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 Jeremy Corbell. He and I were out out walking his dog, and we saw we saw what was a UFO. We saw this orangey golden craft uh, traveling in this big you know half circle around this valley. And uh, and one of the one of the things that was really interesting about it was that there seemed it seemed to be interacting with our consciousness. It seemed to be controlling our emotional state hmm. uh, as we were viewing it. Like because neither one of us got excited, and neither one of us took out a, took a picture of it, not, and neither one of us spoke for the entire event, um, except for at one point when Jeremy just said uh, unprompted, "I'm not even going to take a picture." Like he was responding to Jeremy somebody. Corbell said that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who practices getting his camera out as fast as he can so that he'd be ready for this sort of thing. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. So then, and so that it definitely felt like, like all of our emotions were being tamped down and we were just very quietly 
watching and just you know it felt like the, the idea was that we were just supposed to be quiet and pay attention and uh you know and then again the, the next day i went to my ipad to try and draw it and i can't draw at all i have no artistic ability uh but within 15 minutes i was able to find i was able to find the app i needed uh find all the tools within the app i needed uh the colors i needed the effects to make to get the, the right sort of softness of it and and was able to find everything i need in 15 minutes draw exactly what we had seen and uh i and and it's beyond my actual abilities to do that so you've so, been upgraded yeah and i and the thing and i and i think if i tried to draw it again now i probably couldn't you were meant to do it at that time yeah, yeah. So I was able oh, yeah. to and said to Jeremy, say, is that what we saw? And he said, yeah, that's exactly what we saw. But it's crazy that these, because we hear this often, obviously, in the world of, of ufology, how these crafts seem to operate in a way that we're like, oh, that's not a big deal. Or control masses. Like there's uh, that event that took place at, a, I think, it was a drive-in theater in the 1990s where everybody saw this massive craft and nobody moved. They're just like, well. Ah. Like it's yeah. nothing. And that's the part that's concerning. It's like, well, okay, well, are we in control of the consciousness or do they just take control of it once they're yeah. around? That's a scary bit. Well, that's the thing is I think we're realizing that consciousness is, is, is a trickier subject than we ever imagined. Um, and we're, I mean, we're only early stages of realizing that, that consciousness has effects outside of our brains. Right. You know, there's, there's like um, the, uh, Princeton's been doing their global consciousness study for over 20 years now, where they where they look at how uh, human consciousness and attention affects uh, random number generators. Yeah, I didn't hear uh, about that. That's cool. Oh, it's yeah. like Dean Radin and the, the I think it's the Center for Noetic Studies or something. It's called. They've been yeah. doing that for quite a few decades now, seeing you know yeah. things like entanglement and if you can affect random number generators and. I don't yeah, know if they're they are, any closer to the answer, but apparently it works. There's something they, to it. Yeah, they, I don't think they know what that what the mechanism is is that's at play, but they just keep piling up more and more data that it works. And and coincidentally, they they set up the the global study right before 9/11 happened. So they had set up all these random number generators all over the all over the planet and to monitor what happens when large numbers of people are paying attention to a single event. And then on cue, 9-11 happened, and all of these random number generators all, all around the planet started going off randomness to an extent that they, I think they said the likelihood of it was in the billions, billions to one against that the, the machines would all do this. Wow. And they, they just keep, they've been piling up the data ever since then. Uh, I think one of the events that they listed was um, uh, Pierre Trudeau's funeral when Justin Trudeau was reading the eulogy. Because they said almost every single Canadian was listening to the eulogy at the time. Yeah. And so also the, the random number generators in Canada went off randomness hmm. at that moment. That's so crazy. Yeah. So what do you make of like the CE5, you know, in terms of uh, everybody putting their attention on the same thing and trying to have manifestations and all that? Do you think uh, it's possible? Do you think it's a I good think, or bad I, idea? What do you think? Well, I think it is possible. Uh, well, one of the things that's in, about my experience was that right before it, uh, I had, I had, we'd been, I'd been just looking at all the uh, commercial air traffic off in the distance and thinking what a beautiful, clear night it was. The stars are very bright. I, I don't even think there was a moon in the sky. Um, and I said, this would be a great night to see something. 
And three minutes later, Jeremy said, Dave, turn around. And there was this thing in the sky. So it's it seemed like we asked for it and it showed up. Uh, so I think, and and I and I definitely know there's there's a lot of groups. I know in Los Angeles there's a group that gathers. Uh, I've never gone out. I've never gone out with them, but I've heard they they gather in Los Angeles and do summoning. They call it, yeah. uh, and uh, and it seems to work. They, they seem mostly it seems like they summon these sort of uh, spheres of light. Um, I I don't think you need to pay anyone thousands of dollars to learn how to do it. Is I would I would caution people not to do that. Good advice. <laughs> if somebody we would wants also to caution you, people not to do that. Yeah. yeah, someone wants to charge you thousands of dollars to go out to the desert and you know, just especially if you have these inherent abilities just as a human being, you can just train them, or maybe we had them and then they kind of got dumbed down through the process of growing up and yeah. you know uh, conditioning from external sources. But yeah. we all yeah. are a little bit psychic, and that's the point of those random number generator tests and ESP. I think if there's five ESP cards, the average person will get two. Some will get more, some fewer. But still, even to randomly yeah. guess two out of five, those are high percentages. Like for people that are quote unquote not psychic, you know? Yeah, no. And look, and Stanford had some pretty amazing re results with their uh, remote viewing studies. You know that that again, people people will bring those up to dismiss people that were involved in them, but uh, but they got they got results. Yeah, you know? right. So it's, and they yeah, nailed. Yeah, and they nail like they'll they'll give them a, a geographic location, and like I'll just go there. I don't understand how they do it personally, but that's pretty trippy because they'll give them details of what's taking place right now. Like, yeah. how is that possible? You're thousands of miles. And away. they they try to trick them too. They don't just take these people's word at face value. They'll give them some random coordinates for a gas station somewhere just to see if the guy's gonna say, "Oh, it's an underground base." You know, like they're already going yeah. at it with a skeptical mind because they know that people in peer review are just going to shred their work if yeah. it's not legit. And a lot of people, I think, think they have these abilities, maybe aren't as polished. I think it's a very small percentage that can actually do it. And I formed this opinion off of chatting with people in that field, people who are mm -hmm. trained remote viewers and have connections with some legitimate big names. I think... Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely something there. But it's kind of spooky when you start reading some of the things that they've seen. Again, underground bases, bases on the moon. You know, they yeah. talk about going somewhere and seeing entities and then the entities become aware they're being watched. Like it can get pretty dark when you start going down that. Yeah, yeah. Which is then, And of course, that takes you takes you into things like DMT as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the possibility that, that you know... Um, that what people experience when they do DMT might be connected to the UFO uh, phenomenon. That the you know the, the entities that are experienced there may may have it maybe tied into all of this. So in, you know very much uh, consciousness may be at the root of of uh, of all of this. Right. You know, and, and I mean, was it this Donald Hoffman who's been doing his studies about? evolution where he believes that uh, evolution not only did evolution not uh uh lead us to have senses that that allow us to perceive reality as it is that uh evolution actually prevents us from seeing reality as it is because there's no uh fitness outcome to it there's no need to see reality right i mean all we all we we only need senses to get us uh you know and to let us know if a tiger is going to eat us, to let us know if there's something we can eat and if there's someone we can mate with. And that's, those are the only senses. Or the other way around, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are the only, yeah. our senses, those are the only things we need senses for. Right. So, so we, you know, 
and he, you know, and he, and I don't understand his theory, but he thinks that the the, the base unit of, of reality is conscious entities. And I have no idea what that means or what he's talking about, but I've heard him talk about it several times and I still don't get it. But that he believes that space and space time is not uh, fundamental to the universe, but that consciousness is fundamental to the universe, which is interesting. And I love that theory because what if it is a natural progression of the universe is that it creates life, life creates consciousness and consciousness, whatever, you know, evolution for dealing with that, you know, because I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, but if we're looking at classification, I think there's five classifications for um, civilizations out there, right? Mm. What do you think we're dealing with? Like if this is complex and everything looks like magic to us, we can't wrap our head around it. Like what class of civilization do you think we're dealing with? Oh gosh, I don't know. What is, the, well. You're talking Kardashian scale, right, Jason? I yeah. think so. Like yeah. they're saying, if you're class five, you can manipulate the universe to your will. And yeah, we're, we're a level zero. Right? Yeah, we're not even class one. No, Yeah. no. Yeah, so class one is where you can control all the energy on the planet. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, and and then class two, you control all the energy of your sun. Yeah. And that's you, what the things like Dyson spheres and theories like yeah. you know mechanical structures around a star. That's a class two, and then class three is all the power in the galaxy, and it goes yeah. from there. Right. I mean, it's all theoretical, but yeah, yeah, we are not even a class one in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. No. And definitely, I think because um, that's the thing with the UFO thing, you know, and also. Well, so many things, so, so many things that fall into the category of paranormal. There's the attitude of uh, this is something that this is something that can't happen. So it isn't happening. So the same thing with like psychic phenomena. It can't happen. So it isn't yeah. even even if there's, you know, the the amount of even if it's just anecdotal evidence, even if, you know, it's an overwhelming amount of anecdotal evidence. Um, the attitude of science is just that. Uh, in, and and there's, we still have this notion that we still keep thinking in terms of human scales. That's right. Um, you know, it's like people keep wanting, you know, bringing up, you know, people keep bringing up the Fermi paradox even now, which really you can sort of go, well, all right, but that paradox kind of falls apart. If there's UFOs, Yeah, you know, right. where is everyone? Well, people keep telling you where they are. They're here. They're, they're hovering over nuclear missile bases. They're, uh, they're splashing into the ocean next to, uh, you know, aircraft carriers. Um, they're all over the place. Um, but the attitude is still, well, it it can't be happening, so it isn't. Right. And no matter how many times they're told it is happening, they'll just, you know, and you go through you go through any sort of any kind of, you know, uh, uh, just tortured debunking theories, you know, of of how somehow every every single the, the the top you know um surveillance systems in the world all glitch at the exact right time and and in complete synchrony with eyewitnesses um and the glitch just happens to pump out data that totally supports the eyewitness accounts and the and the on craft you know FLIR footage so it's you have to believe that everything went wrong at the same time in the same way and that all the people involved all had the exact same hallucination or misidentification yeah, and right. and that's considered more plausible. And they'll call that Occam's razor, which is it's the exact opposite of Occam's razor. Occam's razor says, probably the simplest answer is they saw what they saw. Yeah, right. 
And no matter the uh, observer, like you mentioned, doesn't matter the credentials of the individual. Like we have fighter pilots. These people are trained to defend countries and drop bombs on people. Like these are highly trained military people. Yeah. Millions of dollars spent on their like learning to observe and stuff like that. And they see something and we're like, well, must be seagulls. Yeah. Like yeah. It, that, that baffles me. And like, even Louie and I always con uh, talk about this, but they'll always have like an expert on like, you know, Gary yeah. Nolan and then some guy who just disagrees with it, but doesn't have the same level of credentials at all. No. And well, and that's the thing is the, uh, and the, people like to trot out the notion of, well, you know, eyewitness testimony is the worst kind of evidence. And, and they're right. When you're talking about, um, uh, a bank robbery, you're in a bank, people run in with guns and they hold up the bank. Yes, your eyewitness testimony is going to be flawed because of adrenaline and fear, and you're not you're not taking the time to observe the data as it's coming through. Uh, so yeah, that kind of eyewitness testimony isn't great. Uh, but but say you had me or you asked me to I walk through a park, and then after I walk the park, you asked me, all right, how what uh, what kind of what kind of uh, vegetation did you see in the park? And I go, oh well, there were some trees. There's a I guess some were deciduous, some were conifers i think there was a palm tree there was grass and some shrubs so that's my eyewitness account of walking through the park um but if you have uh uh a, a trained uh biologist walk through the park you know uh they're gonna have a different eyewitness account it's gonna be a lot more detailed you know they're gonna and so so expert wit expert eyewitnesses it, it is different it is quantitatively different Right. So yes, eyewitness testimony is flawed, but when you're trained, as you said, they they such so much training, and they're training, they're trained to know what should be in the sky because if they don't know, they get killed. Right, right. That's their their job is to go up and kill other people and not get killed themselves. You know, so it's very serious work. Yeah, yeah. and Plus, like the maintenance too, right, Louis? Like the like these guys, they do maintenances on their eyes, like they got get checked all the time. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And they go into they go into every operation knowing they're going to be debriefed at the end of it. Like, you know, normal eyewitness accounts, you don't have that. You don't you don't go, well, today I'm going to go out and witness a bank robbery. Right. I better be prepared. But they're prepared. They know they're going to be debriefed after That's every right. they fly. And even in their day-to-day -day lives, those military guys, they seem to always have a situational awareness. They're always looking for an exit. It's just in their training. And, you know, we talk about eyewitness testimony. Conveniently, in the UFO topic, it doesn't count. But we've been convicting people and putting them to death in courts of law based on one or two people's eyewitness testimony for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. If 10 mm -hmm. people stand in a line and say, that guy killed that dude, you're going to jail for life. Like, and, and we will all accept it that, yeah, even a jury, like we believe enough opinions, we go with the, the majority, right? But when it comes yeah. to this phenomenon, you get thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of yeah. reports, but oh, you just can't. Even the arrow hearing is saying the same thing. Like they want to start yeah. a public facing version of this, but they're like, but you know, we got to be careful because otherwise anyone with a camera dot 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 so what everyone who's caught something they're all idiots with a camera like that's insulting yeah. to these people who have had these experiences i know that's the other amazing these couple people keep saying that uh, you know everyone's got these high definition cameras in their pockets now how come we're not getting better pictures but then when you see the pictures taken by high definition cameras that are in yeah. our pockets they aren't that good yeah. so why do you keep saying you know we should have better pictures when we're showing you these are the pictures yeah. these cameras aren't built to take pictures of ufos 
Like try to take a picture of an airplane in the sky. It won't look like anything. Yeah. Or to take, try to take a picture of the full moon. You'll never be able to convince anyone the moon exists based Good on that. Point. Good point. Good yeah. point. And that yeah. happened to me last October. There was a light in the sky. It was there for, I don't know, five minutes. I didn't think anything of it. Came back 20 minutes later, still there. So I called Jason, filmed this thing real time. He checks all the air traffic. He's like, there's a windstorm happening. All the planes are grounded. Like, what the hell is that thing? And we're filming this for... 40 minutes and I'm trying to get video and picture and the camera does not like it. I can see it clear as day. It's an orange ring. It's got to be, you know, way bigger than a plane based on the distance that it was at. And as soon as it would try to focus, it would do that sort of zoom in, zoom out. And then you get those distortions like everybody else's video. Yeah. It's either that it's just too dim for the aperture of the camera. I have a fairly good phone and camera, so it's not you know a hardware issue. But I think maybe it's just we're not supposed to see it. You mentioned your yeah. sighting. Neither one of you had a thought to even grab your phone. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people yeah. say the same thing. So maybe we and can't get the footage that we think we can get, you know? Yeah. It, it, you know, definitely, I think uh, I think whatever's in the sky has full control over when and how it's it's viewed. Yeah. Right. You know? And especially you look at the, you know, the, the sightings that Ryan Graves talk, was talking about off the East Coast. They said, I mean, most of the time they, these things would be on their radar. They could see them in the, in um, an infrared, but they were invisible to the naked eye. Yeah. And and again, with the debunkers, they go, well, see, that's proof it wasn't there. It's good. No, that's proof this is weirder than that. Mm -hmm, that right. These things can be invisible, but be detect detected on other systems. And then at will can be visible. They seem to be able to choose whether to be visible, to be seen in visible light or not. Right. Um, so the fact that the fact, you know, the fact that something uh, isn't seen by the naked eye shouldn't make it suddenly. Oh, there. See, there's nothing to this. That yeah. should be. That should spark you to go. This is weirder. Yeah. There's lots of things we can't see, we can't hear. It doesn't mean they're not there. I mean, you don't yeah. see radio waves, but you can tune into a radio station. So seeing is not necessarily believing because we're limited by our senses. We are yeah. essentially just evolved animals. Whether yes. it was intentional involvement or not, that's a different opinion, but yeah. we are basically animals. And, and to your point earlier, very narrow band. Yeah, we're we're built for hunting and foraging. So if it doesn't suit survival or eating something or preventing yourself from getting eaten or reproducing, you know, mm -hmm. it we didn't need it essentially, right? So yeah. We're fairly poor observers in the grand scheme of things. You know, even and bees can see infrared and yeah, we can't, or no, they see ultraviolet and we can't. Bats, bats have a 360 degree view of their environment from echolocation. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, they, they, they see everything at once. That's not through true. sound, sound that turns into vision. Yeah. So we're, we're very limited as a species on what we're able to, like even germs. We didn't know germs existed. Now we got microscopes. We could, look into yeah. their world it's probably the same thing with this phenomenon it's and like it's, we're the germs right and and the experts debunked germs when they when they were discovered yeah. you know the, we fight uh, everything yeah it was the experts that would you know ostentatiously refuse to wash their hands in the surgery you know um and uh we're doing the debunking they were the skeptics of their time yeah uh, so it's you know the uh yeah the the the, the expert debunking is uh should be should be looked at cynically i think what are your thoughts on skeptics versus debunkers because i'm okay with skeptics a skeptic is well, someone I'm, with a different opinion but they're well, willing to hear information a debunker 
to me anyway, has their mind made up. Doesn't matter what you tell them, what evidence you provide. No, it's like this. End of story. It's it a almost, dogma. Yeah. Well, the yeah. term debunking implies, you know, you're, you're, it, the word bunk is in there. Um, right. So they're going from the assumption that it is bunk. Right. Right off you the know, bat. They're going to debunk it. They're going to get rid of this bunk. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is a notion. Again, it comes from that notion. This can't be happening. So it isn't. So all I, all they, if they can find one element of an incident that they can replicate in some other means, you know, like if you can, again, it's like I could, you know, I could hang a paper plate from a string and take a picture of it and make it look exactly like the moon, but that doesn't mean I've proven that the moon doesn't exist. Right. So you can, so if you can, if you can create a similar effect by other means, that in no way means that uh, you've proven that that's what happened. You know, it's like you know, I don't, I don't even like to amplify him by saying his name, but, but you, I think we all know the guy I'm talking about. We just, uh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. He, and he's and it's just it's dishonest because it is it's they they all deliberately narrow their their aperture to the point where they can they can plausibly explain one element of something. And and they ignore every all, any kind of corroborating data that says that their debunking is false. Right. You know, like any of the data, any of the you know radar data, uh, eyewitness testimony, um, you know, uh, infrared uh, footage. That will ignore anything that doesn't fit the one thing they can explain. Right. Uh, Grab the so one snippet and throw out everything else. Right. Yeah. And it's almost crazier to move the stars out of the way to fit the debunker story than the original UFO sighting story in the first place. That is less crazy when you look at what rationale is involved with making that square peg fit in a round hole for the debunker. Yes. And, you know, and, and claiming things like that uh, trained Navy crews who work at the night shift out in the ocean where the sky is very, very clear. The sky is on top of you. Uh, you know, a night sky with no with no light pollution, and these so these people are very very familiar with the sky. So claiming that these people suddenly one night mistake stars for UFOs, yeah, that the the stars they've been looking at every night for their entire mission, but tonight they can't tell the difference between stars in the sky and objects moving a thousand feet from their ship. They can't tell the difference and make it ninety degree turns. Yeah. yeah. And they all went crazy at the same time. The entire battleship yeah. went nuts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Several ships. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. About the, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the 2019 swarming, you know, and, and even then they, they, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, it was Chinese drones come from a merchant vessel. And you go, well, if that's the case, we've seen what happens when the Chinese have uh, something in our sky and we know it's the Chinese. We saw the spy balloon. That's what happens. Wall-to-wall coverage. It gets shot down. You know, visits, diplomatic visits to China are canceled. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of uproar when we know it's Chinese. Uh, but the, uh, but the, uh, I guess it was the Russell, right? The USS Russell. Uh, yeah. it, and, 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 and about a dozen other ships by the way, they're swarmed by hundreds of things and there's no press coverage, no press, you know, no press conferences, um, just quietly leaving it to the debunkers to say, oh, they, they mistook stars. 
It's like swamp gas 3.0. Yeah. 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 It's absurd. And it's an insult to these professionals. I mean, uh, we often say that it's no disclosure won't come from a government organization. That's going to spill the beans. It's going to be people that serve their country, regardless of what country it is, whether it's Canada, United States, or Uganda, people stepping up. And uh, by the way, Uganda, you never hear anything UFO related. They're up to something. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's uh, you know, it's crazy. It takes the whole world to look into this, like scientists, law enforcement. Like we have all these people that are like, we know even doctors, you go to your doctor, doctor tells you, look, you got cancer. You take it for what it, you know, you take his, his uh, diagnosis seriously. But if he says, you know what, like sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and there's three little entities at the end of my bed. And then I don't remember anything. Huh, the guy's a quack, right? Yeah. It's weird. I got to get we a don't, new doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't weigh these experiences. And I, for me personally, I think the abduction phenomenon is like our first step because yeah. that's where we should look. What are they doing with us? Right. And these people are telling us, look, this is what is happening. Okay. Then secondary is what the, what is their technology capable of doing? But their interaction with us globally, individually, affects us. And the government and religious organizations and military can't do shit, can't solve yeah. the issue. This is a humanitarian issue, which we, we can't all solve face. It. We can't prevent it. We can't explain it. We can't, yeah. uh, but we can not add to the cruelty, you know. Good point. I think we can do that. We can we cannot make people's lives worse. Um, you know, that's the thing. I think that, you know, again, the, the, going back to the debunkers, it's not harmless. These these debu- the debunking. It's not it's not harmless at all. It's harmful to people who have had experiences and seen things and know and know they aren't crazy and who live in fear of talking about it and live in fear of um you know, of either you know losing friends or being ridiculed by family or losing jobs, mm. uh, having careers destroyed. You know, it's like your doctor. Yeah, your doctor isn't going to talk about it because he's going to lose patients. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's not it's it really isn't it isn't harmless. Yeah. What do you make of the varied sort of assortment of things associated with the phenomenon? I mean, it's not just nuts and bolts craft anymore. There's orbs. There's talk of cryptid cryptids and different creatures and everything else there's a quote-unquote woo but yeah. uh, like what do you make of all that even poltergeist like do you think these are separate phenomenon all happening or do you think they're somehow related when you get into that invisible world it's well i mean it seems like the it seems related and it does seem like it's all connected and that various elements of the paranormal are tied into this you know and it's you know said like it's, it's like once you once you become untethered from certainty uh you drift you drift through a lot of weird subjects you know and the uh, rabbit hole as we'd call it yeah and you know the um like i I imagine you guys probably read uh the skin markers at the pentagon yeah george and george naps yeah we interviewed them both after it came out it was fascinating to talk to them and the book was super well done yeah and those are serious you know and they're these are serious people and they and all they're saying is they're not saying they understand they know what's going on, but they're saying this is happening, you know, the, you know, so you, you know, I mean, what, how, what do you do with seven foot tall bipedal wolves showing up in people's backyards? Yeah. You know? Or the hitchhiker effect, right? Even their yeah. wives start having weird. It, yeah. It, wives it, of the children. 
And yeah, they, and it's it's almost were. like even if they encountered a craft or a being, when the hitchhiker comes through, it's almost always poltergeist. It's weird, yeah. bizarre things, a lot less tangible than the initial sighting. So yeah. in my mind, anyway, it shows that that's got to be some kind of a link that, you know, and I mentioned earlier, I have a friend who's into remote viewing and I asked him like, hey, can you teach me to get into this? And it was like, don't go there. Don't try it. You will get a hitchhiker effect flat out. Even people that are professionals trained and practiced at this, they have things happen and they just want to get rid of it. So like, don't go yeah. there unless you know what you're doing. Although I want to go to Skinwalker. I do. That you got to get through the TV trip. crew to get in nowadays. <laughs> huh? You got to go around the TV crew. That's all there yeah. nowadays. Yeah. You probably could get on there. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to go. Well, I'm friends with, well, I'm friends with George and Jeremy. So they have good That's true. there. You could yeah. pull those strings. Plus you're, you know, you're a celebrity. So it's, you could yeah, pull that more weights, sometimes. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think it's funny when they have the uh, like UFO cons and stuff like that. And they'll have win a trip to go camping with Travis Walton. <laughs> <laughs> or uh uh yeah any of those abductees right uh like whitley streamer i'm like why why would you go camping you're risking something right yeah yeah, yeah. there's something going on around these people yeah well yeah and i was going to mention too like the nasa was mentioning that orbs are global right that it yeah. is a global phenomenon they don't know what it is but they're dismissing that it could be aliens of course which to me is yeah. like okay well if we don't know that it's human what else could it be right yeah Oh, yeah. And we do, we do know that it isn't any of the major nations. We, we know it isn't. We know it isn't. It isn't the U.S. It isn't Russia. It isn't China. Right. Because um, these things don't crash. If they were like drones crash all the time. But these things yeah. don't crash. They fly. They maneuver. They seem to avoid obstacles like they're intelligently controlled. Yet they're like in the daytime. They appear as, as spheres. Yeah. that just move really really fast i mean we've seen some pictures right and videos of, of them flying by jeremy i think recently posted something similar yeah uh, that's yeah, happening over war yeah and it's crazy like what what do you make of the orbs well that's and the thing that's the thing that got me made me crazy was the uh the arrow hearing that was terrible um <laughs> but he actually showed video of a sphere uh flying through a war zone in a way that's things can't fly you know that sphere the sphere it had no no means of lift no control surfaces and it's clearly traveling and it's a direct directed and at speed through a battle zone and that and it was obviously significant enough that that it was tracked by these you know uh spy drones um and so you know uh Kirkpatrick shows this video and no one asks any questions, you know, and he says, well, this is currently an unexplained. And then they just move on. It's like, not, you know, Gillibrand, nobody there said, well, what is unexplained about this? What, what do you know about it? What data do you have on it? You know, uh, how is it flying? What's how, what, what speed would you say it was traveling at? You know, not one question In, when he just showed them this sphere flying through a war zone. That's I mean, crazy. That was their chance, right? Yeah. And and he admits it's unexplained. But no questions. I don't under I can't fathom that at all. And no and no follow-up from the press. Like no one in the press is basically has there's been no coverage of it. You know, again, endless coverage of the stupid spy balloon. Right. Yeah. Uh, but nothing on this thing that he, you know, the, the head of Arrow says they can't explain. 
And clearly this is a video of something that should not be moving the way it is, you know, yeah. you know, and it clearly is not a balloon, you know, it's not moving in any way like a balloon moves. Or swamp gas, yeah. Or swamp gas. Do you remember the first Arrow hearing? They showed a little video clip of something. It was just like a quick zip. They had to rewind it. And it's like, that was, I guess, what they were trying to say is this is the best we got. Like, these are the videos people are asking us to inter, you know, to in um, yeah. investigate. But you have the Tic Tac and all these Pentagon released videos. Why wouldn't they use that? Like, they, we know they have footage. We've seen yeah. the footage, and they have better versions of it, longer and better quality. Yeah. But, you know, when they put forward that as, you know, it's almost, again, to poke an eye in everybody who wants to see something happen here. It's kind of like, yeah. hey, everybody, we have to do this. This is what we're talking about. You see how yeah. stupid it is. Let's yeah. just move on to something more important now that we've given these guys, you know, they're they're diminishing the effect and what's actually going on. Yeah, no, I, it's a great disservice, and and it's and it's not, and it's great. It's dishonest. It's you know, I mean, I think everyone at this point knows that Arrow is getting a lot more information than they're than they're feeding back to the public. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. we all keep hearing about these whistleblowers that are going and giving testimony. I mean, we all, I mean, we've all heard Ryan Graves' testimony, David Fravers, and Alex Dietrich's testimony. You know, we all know, and basically, anytime there's a hearing. Anytime there's a hearing and they don't talk about the Tic Tac, uh, they're avoiding it. I mean, that should be that should be questioned every single time. So, what do you know now about the Tic Tac? How have you you know what are you closer to explaining it? You know, yeah. what's the data? You know, and uh, so you know, so if they yeah they keep trying to come up with something that's that's going to be boring for the public, yeah. they just keep trying to make it boring for the public, which is. You know, exactly what the, you know, the Robertson Commission said they should do back in the 50s, mm -hmm. demystify it, debunk, explain any, any mundane explanation, explanation that you can come up with will do. And we're still, we're still in that exact same space. Yeah. Um, yeah. What blows me away is like even the Rendlesham Forest incident where these yeah. military personnel were right next to the bloody craft. And then you got people, no, nah, it was a White House. Uh, not White House, a lighthouse. A lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the end, it's like, yes. Yeah, it's an insult. Remember. Yeah, it's an yeah, insult yeah. to these men and women. That and the medical injuries that some of those guys sustained to this day that are still proof and of something happening. Yes. And he finally got it on the record that, he, yeah. you know, he was getting, he finally got, uh, got paid. The Took him almost done. thirty years to do it, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah saying it's a lighthouse. So trained, trained professionals—they make notes. They they're up close enough to draw pictures of what they're seeing, um, and yeah, but somehow tape they, recorder somehow, too, right? Yeah, yeah the tape he, recorder. He has, yeah, he's recording it all, but somehow no, it's a, a lighthouse that they're all very familiar with that they've seen every night. That they've been in, on this base, they know this lighthouse very well. You know, so I remember Holt, I think, saying, "You know, I've, I've I've got pictures of me standing outside that lighthouse. I know that lighthouse. It was nowhere near what we saw, and you know, and a flashing light coming through the woods is we're not good. We're professionals. We're not going to mistake it right. for a triangular craft. You yeah. know, in right in front of us. You know, 
And it gets weirder than that. If you look at the code that Jim Penniston supposedly got out of that, a binary, and then it took, I don't know how many decades before somebody decoded it. In fact, our next episode is with Gary Osborne, and he's going to break down some of the stuff that come out of this code. But essentially, there's a lot of things, both dealing with ancient history and like sacred locations, places that are hotspots that we're just finding out now that, hey, this all came out of that code. It's like they gave wow. us that 30 years ago, knowing we would need it now, right at the time it was decoded. There's a lot of spooky stuff that come out of Rendlesham, not just a couple of guys yeah. seeing a lighthouse. You know, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. And even then, I think it was, I still heard like Nicholas say, well, you know, Rendlesham, well, there was a lighthouse. And that's, you know, right. he doesn't even want the details. Well, I hear there was a lighthouse. Yeah. And so case closed. It's dumb. And even, uh, was it John Burroughs? He still has to go to Wright-Patterson yeah. Air Force for the heart condition that he received or got from that craft. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's a crazy detail. Why isn't he allowed to go to regular hospital? Why does he have to go to Wright-Patterson Air Force for anything heart-related? Yeah. And his eye, too, I believe. That's true. Yeah. yeah that's that's a bit of detail that's like yeah. very interesting, right? Um, yeah, so Tim Burchett was actually on uh, our friend Christy Newton. You were on her podcast oh, not too long yes. ago, and um, on Rebelliously Curious. If you haven't checked out that podcast, please do uh, for our listeners. Um, but basically, Tim Burchett had mentioned something on a podcast that really hit home, and he was talking about Washington, D.C. And he said, this town from top to bottom, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, is crooked, broken, and greedy. And that's the current state that washington is in and we're asking for disclosure at the time where everybody's just out on their own it's not about the people it's about how can you further your career in politics so it's an interesting time in the states to see what is happening and what they're trying to accomplish but at the same time they're dealing with some of the worst corruption probably in u.s history yeah i mean i i think it's always i mean it's always been endemic to uh to politics but certainly it's, uh, I mean, I guess the, if there's anything to be optimistic about, it's the fact that the UFO story is the one thing that is getting bipartisan support. Right. And bipartisan legislature is being, you know, legislation is being written. Uh, and that there's no other example of, of uh, Republicans and Democrats working together. And, and they're working together unanimously to pass legislation on ufos so that's that may be some sign i mean i know i I know i talked to uh, leslie kane stays very optimistic about it and more optimistic than i am um she's a sweetheart yeah yeah but she still stays optimistic that things are going to come out and that that the government is going to do something so i think you know i'm hoping she's right and I, i am encouraged by the fact that you know yeah, the people here, like Tim Burchett and 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 Gillibrand working together on something—that's impossible that that could happen, but it's happening. You know. Yeah, it's like the only yeah. thing they agree in so far is the yeah. UFO subject, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. cool. Baby steps again. We get frustrated because we never get anything out of these, but there are some people that are wiser and more calm-headed than we are, and they say, "Listen, at least they're talking about it." Okay, it might seem like they're still just brushing over it, but it's a public thing from the government talking about even NASA. We all know it's a joke that the committee, I mean, one astronaut even said, Oh wait, I did see something once. And he goes, it was a Bart Simpson, Mylar balloon. So there's still, you know, an effort to, to poke in the eye, 
But, you yeah. know, we have some people, like I said, that are more wise than us. And they're going, listen, this is all part of it. Don't don't worry. Right there. Now there's going to be some accountability because it's NASA. Yeah. You're not going to be able to say we don't know. Right. Unless you want well, to make think, yourself look totally useless and obsolete. Yeah. Well, I think Jer Jeremy Corbell actually said one thing I thought was true, like being, you know, being trying to take the positive note out of out of that hearing was at least they're pushing for the destigmatization of the subject. Yeah. And they're they're saying that we need to get rid of the stigma in order to improve the reporting and Im improve the observations and get better data. So we need to get rid of the stigma. So if if nothing else, if they if they at least, you know, making Bart Simpson balloon jokes doesn't help <laughs> get rid of that stigma. Um or just but, get rid uh, of that guy. We can get yeah. rid of him. <laughs> but but, but if they, if they truly do help diminish the stigma uh, of talking about and reporting, you know, then uh, that'll be a good thing. Yeah. Even if, even if we don't get the disclosure we want. Well, we made progress quite a bit over the last five years. I, ever since the article, I mean, you mentioned that. And to me, it got me off the couch and saying, I need to get involved. I don't know how. You know, so yeah. I got involved with with MUFON, started investigating, led to the podcast and get to talk to people like yourself now. It's crazy, but there's momentum. There's people actually standing up and saying, I need to contribute in some way. And yeah. uh, just before we let you go here, I'm just curious. Uh, my top two focus of studies, the abduction phenomenon and cattle mutilation. What would be your top two? Uh, top two focus? Uh, oh, oh, focus of study. Um I guess I guess it would be uh, recovered craft. Yeah, would be the the top one, and um, and what would be the other? Um, I think I guess probably uh, if I really think about it, probably the abduction phenomena. Nice choice. <laughs> Although I, I you know as I said it's hard. I, I I haven't focused on it as much as I should really, but uh, it certainly seems to be you know, the weirdest aspect of it and the most personal aspect of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just before we let you go, Dave, I, I know you're working on a podcast. Uh, you got something going. Do you want to just explain a little bit when that comes out, what, what you're, uh, what you're planning to do with it? Well, we've, we've done about, we've, we've done six episodes to sort of to testing it out and, and we're, <clears throat> so we're cutting those all together now and going to try and find the right spot for it. Um, Hopefully, hopefully in the next month or so, we'll we'll start getting these up up and uh, running somewhere. But it's going to be a podcast called uh, a Really, um, hosted by myself and my friend Tom Wheeler, who's a screenwriter and novelist uh, and showrunner. Um, and basically, we're we're trying to be a as, as I've described it as as the UFO podcast for people that aren't already hosting their own UFO podcast. Nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> So we're trying to make it general enough as a as a as an as an on ramp for people who are maybe just getting curious about it, you know. And we we sort of we we punctuate really with uh, question mark exclamation mark period because uh, I think that's the the transition you go through once you you get a little bit curious about the subject, you are then startled by what you find out, and eventually you sort of settle into going, all right, this is real acceptance. And, you know, yeah, acceptance that there that there there is a UFO reality. Uh, what it is, I don't think anyone knows, but there is one. Yeah, well so, said. Um, so we're just yeah, we're going to try and basically just be uh, an, a very a, an approachable on ramp for people who are just getting curious about the subject. 
Yeah, which is great. We need that. Somebody uh, commented on Twitter this morning, like, why is the bulk of the population not interested in this subject? And I just commented below that we need to be the ones that start educating these people, at least catch them up to speed with what's going on. They're not ever going to accept it until we start having these conversations. You know, it doesn't matter who you are on this planet. This affects everybody. So, yeah, when the more people who are doing what you what you guys are doing, having the conversation and 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 being a place where people can tell their stories, you know, yeah. uh, it's just an in you know incremental change and um, uh, and everyone contributing to the conversation uh, is gonna is going to eat away at the sort of the this giant block of uh, obfuscation. Oh boy, is it ever a big block. Yeah. Louis, do you have any final questions for Dave today? No, just a big thanks, Dave. We appreciate your time. We know you're a busy guy and you got lots of stuff on the go, uh, but thank you for making time for us. Um, and we really like your way of thinking about things, your humility. You are, uh, you're very Canadian and we love that. We, we, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't seem to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. No, and people it's... tell us, they say, we don't know what it is about you guys. You just have a certain, certain niceness. It's called being Canadian. You know, we're compassionate. Yeah. We hear people out. We're not here trying to put people down. And, um, I think the UFO community as a whole can learn a lot from that. If you go yeah. on uh, UFO Twitter, it's uh, not so pretty sometimes, but oh, no. I think no. if we all just show a little compassion, even if somebody is completely out there and against what you believe, just leave them be. Yeah. Don't go yeah. out of your way to troll people and write negative comments on people's shows and everything else. Like yeah. if I find something I don't like, I just keep going. It's not even yeah. worth my time. So don't be one of those people to poo poo on everybody else. Just just keep it to yourself. You know, that's, yeah. that's our advice to the, to the world, but uh, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll turn it over to our viewers. What did you guys think of today's show? Let us know in the comment section. Uh, if you liked it, please give us a like. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. We're on every platform, YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Uh, we're on the Unnext network um, and anywhere you get your favorite podcast. So with that, we uh, want to say again, thanks, Dave. We'd love to have you back in the future. And uh, if you ever want to get a couple Canadian dudes on your show, you let us know. We'll uh, I will we'll yeah. be there. All right, that'd be great. And thanks, thanks for having me on. And thanks for thanks for doing your podcast. Awesome, yeah. thanks, Dave. Thanks.